So today's discussion is mainly focused around the topic of STEM, which is very much mentioned in this day and time. Now, uh, before we go talking, I would like to reinforce and reinstate what STEM truly is about. Well, STEM, which is an acronym uh, from the words science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, is basically a teaching philosophy that integrates all four disciplinary together into a single cross-disciplinary program. This uh, STEM technology is where we abandon the traditional system where science and maths are all its sole components and we mix it together so that a more efficient way of learning is created and also uh, jobs in the future. But since um, there are a lot of speculations on whether STEM is truly necessary in today's age. Let's start our podcast with um, what do you think whether is STEM truly important in this day and time? How about Natasha? What do you think about this? Um, personally, from since I am not a science student, um, my knowledge is not as in-depth. But yes, I do think in general, STEM subjects are very important because, um, you know, it, it teaches you the way of life in general. And I think that's as far as what I know of STEM. But if anyone else... Oh, all right. But, um, okay, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Sahara is also a STEM student, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Minwat. All right. As a someone who came from a non-STEM educational background, I can assure you when one hears the acronym STEM within an educational setting, many people might think it has something to do with stem cell research or something dealing with flowers, botanical or some sorts. So, uh, I've, done some, I've, done some, I've done some research in Malaysia. The development of STEM education is an important agenda for the transformation of the education system to prepare the students to meet the challenges of the 21st century. I know a little something about the National Council for Scientific and Research Development. It is reported that Malaysia would need 500,000 scientists and engineers by this year to cope with the challenges of the post-industrial revolution. Vinny, since you're from a very heavy STEM field cause, would you mind sharing your opinions on this? Do you think STEM is truly... Mm, yeah, sure, not. So... Yeah, um, so let me tell a bit about, um, during my childhood, I used to question why STEM is so important, why everyone is making a big issue out of it. So as I grow, as I learn more into STEM and as I indulge more myself into this field, I found few importance of STEM. The first thing is, I found that as we learn uh, or develop um any uh, skills related to STEM, we can develop our thinking skills, problem-solving skills, as well as STEM enables us to develop and shape our thinking and approach towards um, our problems in daily life. Next, I think that STEM is very crucial in terms of um, getting things done in a way that, in a scientific way, um, where inventions, research, proposals, uh, new ideas could be developed. Next, 
um, I think STEM is also very significant in a way that it can contribute to the mankind in a long run. For example, the inventions of telephone has brought up till now and it is kept on developed and uh, modified to to suit our daily needs um, according to the time we are living in. Um, STEM is a very revolving, it's not stat- a field that is static. So, of course, um, STEM, when we talk about it, to back to our question, STEM is crucial and very important to improve the flaws and problems that we are facing at the current era. So that's all I can say about STEM. STEM is definitely very important, you know. Yeah. Thank you, Vinny. I agree with those as well. And um, yes, yeah, STEM do indeed transforms our country and everything, especially since right now we're in the 4.0 revolutionary uh, technology, revolutionary pathway. Our government imposes, uh, needs a lot of STEM to compete with the other countries technology-wise. And we do uh, end up saving much more money and the entire monetary is much more better run when a STEM field is introduced into it. Now, uh, Farhana, are you free? Uh, hi. Okay, so I want to continue about how artificial intelligence and automation are transforming the job market all over the world, making many job, many of the jobs we know redundant while also generating new jobs we could never have imagined. In the Shari'ah law field I am in, I've been enlightened about how the digitalization of Shari'ah court in a full mode, we'll take over the proceedings and the courts. We have to explore the emerging digital possibilities. So, in the future, many courts are also on their way to become paperless, with an obligation for lawyers to electronically file documents that judges can access via laptops and other devices. With the judiciary support of the government's efforts to digitalize the courts through the use of AI and information technology, Malaysia will launch the nation's first ever online civil tribunal aimed at allowing citizens to resolve small value property and land disputes, for example. So, these digital initiatives will not only facilitate easy access to justice by removing the necessity for the physical presence of parties in court, but would also be environmentally friendly as they seek to reduce the the usage of paper and carbon footprints incurred in travel. Um, so take Turkey for example. Turkey's transformation of the data aspect of its judicial system has resulted in a service that is faster, more transparent, and more cost-efficient. All right, thank you. Uh, yes, it is very true that our entire system has gone through a, a digitalization where we're using more machines and less human contact is present and this is all because of the contribution of the STEM field. So that said, do you guys think that um, because of uh, introducing STEM and that we're making everything more to technology and machines, that there is a threat to the employability rate of the STEM field uh, jobs itself? I mean, per se, uh, you're in the avionics business, and once uh, everything is your aviation, the flight is all uh, electronized. Would that mean that there is 
now less job opportunities for flight attendants or pilots to um, be there. So what I'm trying to say, convey right here is, do you guys think that uh, our job employability is affected by STEM in a more negative tone rather than a positive? Uh, so, would you like to give your thoughts on that? Do you think our job market is threatened because of uh, digitalization of technology and everything? Especially, do you think the STEM field jobs are threatened because of this? Um, yes, I do think the digitalization is definitely tra- threatening our uh, job field because uh, from what I know in the past, uh, there was a re- research saying that uh, even even not in STEM field like for a lawyer, um, digitalization, artificial intelligence is uh, saying to have the possibility of taking over the jobs of um, a lawyer to actually, um, um, I'm not sure, I'm not too sure about that. It says some things like the artificial intelligence is capable to replace the uh, lawyers' roles to actually look through all the uh, document, and then even preparing the preparing some um some materials for the documentation, and um I think documentation, reading through and also scanning through the documentation is definitely one of the important jobs of the lawyer. So I think. Yeah, um, it is, as lawyer is one of the examples, so I think every, it, it applies to every other field as well, so that's what I'm thinking. Thank you. All right, um, thank you, Chen Now, um, when you look at the sample itself, it requires a significant amount of creativity and flexible thinking, as well as technical knowledge and mastery of each individual discipline. A lot of effort and time has to be put to govern uh, the STEM field. Even as a student or when you're in the job market, you have to put in a lot of your strength and energy into the STEM field. But even with that, the pay that um, the STEM field receives is still very underpaid, whether it's an engineer or a doctor in the medicine field. They still are not being paid as equal as the counterparts of an econ or an accountant per se. So, do you, and this may be one of the reasons that um, there's a lack of interest in students joining the same field and all that. So, um, I would like to ask you guys do you guys think that the same field is underpaid? And do you think that this is affecting? Uh, why students are not choosing STEM field during their high school years. So, uh, Kenneth, would you mind sharing your thoughts on this? Okay. Um, as a STEM ed- as a future STEM educator, I don't think that the problem of the STEM workers being underpaid is the main crooks where the students are not interested in ed- STEM education. Um, for me, it is partly because um, we we lack of collaboration to develop materials to interest the students in STEM education. 
So the students perceive STEM education is a very difficult subject to score, to understand, to analyze, and to apply. So, however, there are some initiatives um, which are driven by the government and the private institution. For example, um, Blossoms. Blossoms stands for Blended Learning Open Source Science or Net Studies. It's a collaboration with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, and UTM, Malaysia, to continue developing more interactive videos to assist the teaching and learning of STEM. So for me, I don't think um, the problem of STEM workers being underpaid is the main issue. The main issue is we do need to intrigue the interest of students in order for them to accept STEM education. Now back to you, moderator. All right, thank you, Kenneth. That is a very good insight on this. But before we proceed to the next person, I'd like to uh, thank our guest, Ms. Alia, for joining us and a little bit of introduction. Ms. Alia Ramzani is the founder of Lazari Digital Education and she is joining us today. And I would uh, like to take this opportunity to ask Ms. Alia on this topic. Ms. Alia, do you think that uh, the main reason that we don't have students participating in STEM field is due to decay? Actually, I am one of those, uh, how do I say this? I'm one of those people who advocate for bigger pay for those um, graduating with STEM, mainly because I don't, okay, first, okay, I think the problem starts with people not appreciating the talents or the skills, right? So with STEM education, it's more on how do I say, learning the hard skills to improve your existing soft skills, whereas non-STEM education is more towards the soft, uh, the soft skills itself, right? So you learn languages, you learn arts, and uh, let's say um, like, let's say languages or maybe, um, okay, let's just say arts, for example, maybe sciences. You learn about behavior, you learn how to manage people, but those with STEM education, they, they do not necessarily come with those sets of um, soft, soft skills to deal with people. Hence, um, it is not really appreciated, it's not really appreciated in Malaysia, if I can say so myself, because, because you are only equipped with the hard skills that is required to do the job, but not necessarily the soft skills to handle the people and managing them, which is, well, I would say that's the political part of the job industry. Uh, Ms. Alia, if you don't mind, uh, were you one of those students who entered the STEM field due to the prospects of salary? Oh, no, 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 no. God, no. I'm not there for the salary. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Um, I'd like to clarify. During my high school, I was a science arts student, so I took 10 subjects for my SVM. Yeah, all right. Um, and as much as I wanted to pursue creative side, okay, I have my creative side and I have my, um, I don't know what the other side I want to see. <laughs> but okay, I have my creative side that I want to explore on, but I didn't think, uh, I didn't think that it was enough for me to sort of make a, make a statement that our education isn't solid in like how do I say this our education isn't solid enough to be to to sort of channel channel our ways into the industry 
So I, I had to find a way in terms of um, understanding both sides, meaning the STEM and the um, non-STEM area, and sort of see from both perspectives and see what's the um, pros and cons of each and what are the needs for each um, area or field, if that makes sense. Yes. I, do, I do see in a way that STEM, uh, STEM education sort of leads you to the path where you will end up with less because you are only equipped with the hard skills and if you go further into STEM which is which you have let's say five seven years of experience work experience that's when the things start to pay off because you get the hard skills as well as the soft skills but in the working industry you need both and it's easier to climb the ladder if you are that type so you the soft skills first and then build up the hard skills later Actually, it starts with, with our, like, since our birth, right? From our young, we start to, to explore our senses. So that's when hard skills are actually implemented at first. So when you were about three months old, you start to see, like, black and white colors. And then later, around six months, you start to see the color red very strongly. You start to see those colors um, strikingly attractive. So that way you get kids looking at things at really, um, really close um, perspective. And sometimes you can you wonder like what are they seeing because you might not understand in their perspective but that thing or that color really attracts them very well and let's say that they are um, chewing something so that's actually as um, one of the practices for them to sort of experiment with their own senses and from there maybe okay I have seen people who cannot uh, even exercise what's it called the star jump what's it called i don't know what's it called i don't know the term for it but um when you are doing star jumping right you have to have a coordination where you have to clap your hands when you're uh when you are landing sort of like okay practically coordination so i cannot do it's all right is it jumping not, 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 no, not bungee jumping. It's called star jumping. It's like when you, when you clap your hands, you are supposed to land on the floor. Otherwise, you have to be like sort of like jumping as a star. As no right? Yeah, it's a part of the exercise. Yes. Right. So one of the things is actually related to the hard skills. Exploring so, the motor senses, let's say your um your let uh through your fingers, exercising your fingers, or maybe even do some, I don't know, uh, some experiments with your own body. Let's say that's that's science as well with your own body, with your surrounding, and if you do some mathematical calculations at your head, that's also considered a STEM more or less, because you're trying to understand the logic and the critical thinking behind certain um certain things and environments. So it plays a lot in the rule because if you expose to a if you expose those knowledge or some insights of that those things to a child, they are probably they they probably will understand a lot better as an adult and sort of figure things out um, along the way. Uh, how about programming and those technology kinds of? Okay, for programming. Okay, to be honest, I don't. Uh, I don't think programming is a one-stop solution because programming only teaches you how to think. In terms of if else, like, okay, if a situation A happens, and then what happens? Else, 
if situation A doesn't happen, what else happens? So you're going to have to think logically from there. So learning programming is not a one-stop solution into making sure you have, um, what's it called, the, the skills to sort of build your way to, to solving the problem. It's not the ultimate skill. No, I would not say that. I just think that it is one of the solutions that could help you to sort of think better logically and critically. Because you have to, when it comes to building solutions, you have to think about other situations than your own flu. Meaning that what do you want to do and what do you want not to do? What do you want the system not to do? For example, one of the things that I have experienced myself in the working industry, one of the things, um, I, the pro one of the projects I was on was a payroll um, system. One of the concerns laid out by the finance team was, uh, so when, okay, the system has like a public uh, public holiday kind of um, check, uh, check, how do I say this? Check uh, activity. So if you click on that, it will automatically be approved and your salary will not be deducted throughout the month, for example. So someone, uh, and then there's a, there's the annual leave part. So let's say someone who has no annual leave, meaning they have finished everything, annual leave, and they want to have a holiday. They can technically apply for the public holiday, which will automatically be approved and they, they still get the salary that they want. So you have to think about all the different perspectives and what kind of people are using your um, system. Because if you have loopholes, then obviously it's not logically perfect, if that makes sense. Okay, it does. Thank you, Ms. Ali. All right. All right. Um, now, uh, can we get some opinion from Lalita on how do you think uh, STEM has shaped and whether the sample is paid appropriately. All right. Thank you for the question, you know. Um, personally, for me, I am both a STEM student back in high school as well as an art student now. So I would, seeing from both perspectives, um, I would say that actually STEM educate those who are in STEM field are actually underpaid. However, um, uh, arts, those from arts field are also underpaid, that's the thing. Um, but the thing is, like you mentioned just now, right, that that might be the factor causing them to actually not pursue a, um, a field in STEM, a job in STEM. I feel like um, that's not very true because as Kenneth mentioned just now, it's more true because they feel afraid. Like I myself, I wanted to pursue a higher education in science, but then because it was more to exam oriented and grades and all that, I didn't have the guts to do. So I changed to arts. So yeah, that's all from me. Back to you. All right. Okay. Thank you, Lalita. Um, and before we go to our next uh, break, I would like to uh, stream point, uh, since you're from a computer science background, what made you choose this? Do you that uh, we can incorporate this computer science teaching into the secondary school education program? Okay, thank you, Winov. Uh, first, it's a very long story why I chose this computer science. And actually, this computer science is not my first choice. And it's not the it's not I really want to do after I graduated because of some certain reasons. So I end up choosing this 
But the dream job I always wanted to do is also a STEM job. But and um, I do have some. I do think of something when uh I before I choose this computer science. Uh, even though I have other choice to do other uh like my dream job related to medical, but because of uh, I do aware that there is very high unemployment rate in certain STEM field, like for example, pure sciences and also medical. And also there is one uh, serious concern uh, related to us, like from me, for me, I'm from a low income family. And uh, after I graduated, I would... I will become the only income source for the family. And also the high employment rate is actually very dangerous for us. And also um, it is it is not worth to take the risk. And so I was thinking that computer science uh, for, for the trend now, I, I do see a very high employment rate and also higher chance for me to get a job. But at the same time, I also concerned that for the future few years, it will is it uh will the overflow happen again, and also yeah uh that that's my answer for the first question and also uh can you repeat the second question? Do you think that we can um incorporate computer science into secondary school education? Yes, uh I do agree that we should uh incorporate computer science or uh, like let's say programming skills in for the secondary school students and even uh and even primary school students because for the basic it's not that really uh complicated and also from what i see there's many students that are interested in learning computer related things like uh programming but um because uh, this computer science field and also programming, when you have no idea and also no proper guide how to start, it can be very, uh, it can be seen very, uh, it can be seen very scary because everything is like, there's nothing you can understand if you have no basic. So what I would suggest that uh, we should properly uh, introduce them to these computer science related things like programming. Give them a proper guide, uh, like how to start. So instead of being just stopped as saying that they are interested, they have something to start on. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Back to Wayne. Thank you. I agree very much with uh, because when you look back at the first lesson just now, uh, among all the samples that are there right now. One of the least threatened is computer science, which is actually thriving at this moment compared to engineering and the pure sciences, which have a very high unemployability rate, which is why, uh, as it's established, maybe one of the reasons that uh, causes students to not adhere so much uh, to this field. And yes, I think um, we do need a more uh, integrated STEM field learning since uh, I was like, 
applicable in this time. So, uh, do anyone want to add anything before we go to our break? Hi. All right. Um. Okay. I mean, I remember. Um. Sung Sung Chengkuan mentioned that you talk about computers taking over the job industry, right? Hello. Hi. I can't hear you. Ah. Uh, yes. Yes. Chengkuan did mention that. <laughs> Right, I just wanted to add, um, that was quite an interesting topic, and from my own perspective, I don't think that computer is going to take over the world or take over the jobs. It's more like complementing them, because even AI is not perfect at the moment. It's more on learning on what we can, um, learning based on the data we provide, and sometimes the data we provide is not necessarily accurate. So, in a sense, does not take away the jobs, it just complements them, and those who learn the technology will be more, I would say, progressive compared to those who does not learn the technology. Because it's more on effect, effect, effect how do you say this? Effect, effectiveness, or, or maybe like, can you, the productivity over time. So that's all I, that's, that's all I just want to add. Yeah. Uh, we would work hand in hand with technologies, and there will be uh, a rising where it's completely one sided. That's true, that's true. I do agree. Yeah. I think of technology like a tool rather than the ultimate solution. It's a tool. Yeah, I mean, from my personal experience, I had studied uh, aerospace engineering in the field of cosmos. We've learned that almost the entire computer society is driven by electronics. Even in self-emergency, uh, the pilot doesn't need to do that much work because everything is um, the plane would not automated. It's automated and it has a system which it tells you where the terrain or the object is and what you're supposed to do or how many people you're supposed to get and everything. But if you think about it, would we as uh, passengers I think the possibility is there. I but however I okay, um that is the plan A. But when you do look at the real execution or whatever is happening, they always have a plan B, which is the actual pilot sitting there. So regardless of what happens, they always have to come up with a human solution. Yeah, you see similar like security systems, you have you have automated gates and automated here, automated that. Regardless, you still have a plan B, which is a security guard. It's true. We do uh, imagine this idea of perfection with technology. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something that can be applied in reality. Not, not in the near future. Not yet. Not yet. I don't think we're there yet. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so right now is a bit um, controversial topic to talk about, but. Um, gonna go ahead and talk about it and it's actually sexism in the STEM field workforce. Well the so sexism uh, it can be seen that women are underpaid in certain industries and well as far as representative or uh, representation goes, uh, the unit Malaysia as a country is actually uh, proud of uh, the acknowledgement given by UNESCO saying that 
we are one of the highest countries which has uh, women being represented in a majority of STEM field. But unfortunately, when you look into it, when you put a magnifying glass onto the statistics and everything, it's commonly on the lower positions and rarely on high-ranking paying uh, positions and all of that. So this is a real big controversy that goes on in the STEM field, whether women are truly uh, given equal opportunities in it. And so as a start, I would like to get a men's and women's opinion on this. So do anyone want to pitch in your opinion? How about Jeremy? What do you think about it? Is that equality between uh, gender in the same field? Okay. Uh, the positions, the treatment, and uh, opportunities in general. Because when, if we look at it, uh, there is statistics showing that when a woman applies, uh, a research was conducted where 30 women were applying for a job or something, and then uh, the rate of acceptance was very low. And when they changed uh, their names to like a more male name, and the response was much better. So it is very much there. Uh, maybe we don't know whether it's subconsciously or consciously, but do you think sexism exists in the same field? And uh, of course, we're going to get a male's perspective first and then a woman's perspective. So, okay, I thought. Okay, um, thank you, Vinov. Um, it's a very interesting um, question. Yes, I do agree um, sexism um, really um, exists um, in the STEM field. Um, for Malaysia, right, um, I believe that it exists, although uh, many, many people don't know this. Um, for example, like uh, for my course, mechanical engineering, oh, um, for the 200 students, right, there, I believe there are only like 20 uh, female students. Okay, so traditionally, uh, I would say STEM field, like engineering or the pure sciences, right, has been a male-dominated um, field, okay, especially if you look back history, most of the famous scientists, engineers, or the entrepreneurs, right, most of them are males, okay, so um, we have to take into account the uh, history of this, um, and also I think that um, in the working um, environment, right, I believe that women has always been uh, facing a more unfair situation in terms of their salary, of their wages, uh, or, the, or, the, or the opportunities given to them, okay, so, um, but I think um, currently, the um, situation is slightly improving because um, nowadays more women are getting uh, into the STEM field, and the uh, um, consciousness of this um, issue right, has also um, has also been uh, risen. Okay, but I think uh, yeah, more efforts and more initiative has to be put. Okay, like the government right, they have they have, they really have to um, enforce their laws. Okay, to um, protect our fellow uh, women workers in the STEM field. And also, um, the mindset, okay, the mindset of our employers, right, has have to be changed, you know, because I think the pro the main problem is the mindset, okay, of uh, the bosses, okay, they think that uh, women are not capable, okay, or, or doesn't have the ability compared to men, okay, so I believe that we have to be more liberal, have we have to have a more liberal mindset and to acknowledge um, the capabilities of uh, women in the field of STEM, okay, that's my opinion. Uh, back to you, Vinov. All right, so you think it's uh, the situation is getting better, right? Okay. Uh, slightly, I would say. All right, okay. Um, do any of the ladies want to give any opinion on this? Um, yeah, we not. I would like to add. So, um, 
So being a woman um, studying in a STEM field, I'm actually an engineering student. So um, yeah, like what Jeremy said, I see a lot of my friends are mostly males dominated. Engineering is a very male dominated field. This problem arises because um, it's the society's mindset how the parents teach their kids. So. From a, um, based on my personal experience, from a very young age, like people around me, um, people I'm surrounded with, will always like constantly tell like engineering it's very hard for females. Females, you know, you should go for teaching. Yeah, you should become a teacher. So you know that kind of mindset when people uh, when the parents see it into the children's and the kids' minds, and you know it will eventually cause an impact. Maybe the parents did not see it yet, but in the long run, in the future. It definitely causes a uh, impact coming back to the employers the employers should um believe that uh women are actually equally as capable as men uh, in terms of uh, talent and their ability to the to do the task given so in simple i think equality inequality uh for the employment rate between men and women it's it still exists and it's still there and there's a lot of room for improvement, not just for the employers, but the society as a whole. Yeah. Much, but I'm hearing more and more of it as I'm embarking on this engineering journey from my female colleagues and all that. Uh, but um, Natasha, you're from law. Law has contributed a lot for feminism and I think you guys do touch on a lot of topics regarding to this. So. Uh, share your thoughts, please. Thank you, Vinash. Uh, that's, I'm not sure if that's true. Um, there are many amazing women out there who stand up for um, feminism in general, even if they're from the STEM background. They speak a lot about feminism. So it's not just um, exclusive to law students, but uh, maybe to an extent we do touch on this quite a bit. But... Uh, from what I see in my own opinion, it's not so much about how the system is built, it's not the law itself, but rather the, the, the mindset, not only Malaysia, but basically the whole world, because we come from a patriarchal um, background where men are usually the one who is dominant in the system, and that has been brought down to us. Um, and even though we are progressing into an era where women are accepted and seen as almost equal, I say almost, like very, it's a very touchy way to say it, but almost because there's still a lingering belief that um, women are not as capable. And, and I think it's sort of this, I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone, especially these amazing women who I know are in STEM subjects such as uh, Alia, Miss Alia herself, Vinnie, Jinkwon, you guys are all amazing women in in uh, the STEM field. But I think as we grow up, uh, our our parents, our an- ancestors, they bring down this belief that women are kind of more uh, emotional, you could say, and they don't have rational thinking. And I'm sorry for saying this. But yeah, that's the normal way they think. Even when I was a science student back then, my teacher would always tell me, okay, you can beat this guy, but it's only because you're more hardworking than him. He's smarter than you, though. 
but you're just more hardworking, so you'll you'll be able to achieve uh, your goal as much as he can. But it's just that you're not as smart. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. But yeah, so this is kind of like a deeply, deeply um rooted way of thinking, not in only in Malaysia, but generally in the entire world. But I would say Asian culture um kind of is still still stuck on in this kind of mindset. So yeah, this is my personal experience with it. Thank you, Vinod. Thank you, Natasha. That's very true. Um, Ms. Alia, would you mind sharing some experience that or challenges that you face in the real world? Yes, yes. All right. Um, first, I like to um, add on what they have mentioned because they reminded me of one part of the book from Blink from by Mitch Album which one of the chaps, chapters he mentioned was think like sort of like thinking without thinking, something like that. He mentioned there was a test made by Harvard where you sort of uh, click, either go right, click right or left based on what came to your mind first. So what they did was, okay, let's say they came up with the word work, uh, worker, for example. So you have to choose male or female. So more... Yeah, and then they will calculate the amount of seconds that it took you to answer. So meaning that is that your natural answer that came to it? That's the first answer that came to your mind, or did you give a give deep thought to it? And by the end of the by the end of the quiz, or by the end of the session, let's say the session, they would sort of analyze what kind of uh, mindset do you have towards these two different perspectives. So one of the things that triggered the or the triggered the test was. Um, let's say racism, sexism, and a lot of different controversial topics. And unfortunately, a lot of people still have, like what they mentioned, uh, a lot of people still have that uh, that perspective where women can't work, or maybe they prefer men rather than uh, women in the working industry, because it is deeply rooted in their mindset that it should be like that, because we were taught like that, we were raised like that. And yes, I have come across where I was surrounded by men, and to one point, I just, I just sort of close my eyes and just pretend that everyone's, um, but, um, sort of like everyone's the same. And oddly enough, there was this one event I was talking about. Uh, I was sort of like giving a sharing session with my tech community called the App Club. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, about it, but we did have like sort of a sharing session every now and then. And one of the things that I mentioned, they were asked, one of the questions that were asked to me, why did I join App Club by the newest members was, why did you join App Club? And I answered, because there's less women in STEM and I want to be one of those few to advocate and sort of stand out to show that women can do this and women can do um, pretty much equally the same as men as well. Maybe we can produce the same quality, we can produce the same, um, well, practically say towards the same movement or whatever, that you, whatever you, you guys want to achieve as a human, right? And oddly enough, there were 90% of the uh, audience were male. So yeah, I was, I was just sort of laughing by myself. I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> I just realized that. Um, and there were some experiences shared by interns um, that sort of highlighted to me 
that women are actually being discriminated in the workplace as well. Because one of my friends applied as a back-end engineer. FYI, women are not, like, it's not common. It's not very common for women to become a back-end engineer. Usually, they would they would think women as a front-end engineer because you are more on the design, the art part of the website or what uh, or the app, something like that. For the back-end, it's usually men. That's the that's the common um, mindset. My friend here applied as an intern for, as, a, as a back-end engineer. She got accepted, but she was highly discriminated by her supervisor. She barely touched whatever she was supposed to do. But instead, she had to do the front-end part, which is what I mentioned, the female part of the, what's it called, um, the application or the system. And honestly, reading her tweets and like sort of chatting with her for every now and then, asking her how things are going, etc., she cried like at least three times a day, she mentioned, because she could not face this discrimination faced by, um, given by her own supervisor. And one time, there was a project manager asked the supervisor, why didn't you let her do this part? And then he just looked at her and scoffed. He didn't say anything else. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is something else if you really face it as, as a first hand like if you really face it first hand um, fortunately for me I haven't faced to that extent I only I only have experienced it in terms of environment so <laughs> yeah yeah okay <laughs> thank you Ms. Alia <laughs> as a matter of fact uh, when you mentioned about the research conductor and all of that my mind straight went to Bob the builder <laughs> You can actually take the test. I think the the link is still up because that thing has been going on since the eighties, because they, they were concerned about the black uh, the black people right for the minorities um, perspective, meaning what are the what what are the people's judgment on that. So they were curious about that. They started that research, and then they found it interesting. They started implementing about women working in the industry as well, and then there was a lot of other things. So there was a lot of other things included. If you want to take the test, do um do answer it truthfully, and if you don't, other your your test is going to be jeopardized because they count by the seconds you answer it. So if you have let's say three seconds late, so they know it's not really accurate or from your heart. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So that is good. Uh, can we have one more person to share about this? I think um, Chen Kwan wanted to share, yeah. Uh, all right. Okay, Chen Kwan, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you. Um, I think that this gender stereotype basically exists in every field in this um, job work because uh, not only in STEM field, but it is, it is worse in STEM field maybe because uh, in uh, there is some other factors that is affecting this, like uh, the stereotype saying that women are emotional. They can't, they can't do much rational thinking. They, they just can't be rational sometimes. And I was thinking, I was, uh, I want to say that there are many factors, uh, why women are facing stereotype. This, that's because, um. When when a woman getting is getting older, they will they will have family, 
and then when they are starting to uh planning to have a children, then there is a long process, and uh it it affect the woman that is um having their jobs at that period very much because um they may they may need to take like maternity leave for like a few months. And then, if if you are a employ employer, uh, would you would you rather to take would you rather to hire a woman that uh will have to you know take some take a maybe months long leave and you still need to pay them, or you should hire a a man that can work twenty four seven. Uh, not not to say twenty four seven. It's just that they they don't have this family issue that much compared to women, and I think that this problem is actually being uh uh they are using this as an excuse to have the stereotypes on the woman, and of course we all know that it's not true. It's not true to have stereotype, but um if you want to max if you as an employer, and you want to maximize your profit, this can be a very good excuse for you to, for them to do that. And also, I think that uh, we should definitely have some uh, ways to solve this problem. Yeah, thank you. I agree. It's definitely something that uh, is like uh, uh, something that prevents uh, women from. Being more proactive in the STEM fields, and yes, um, to be honest, uh, regarding pregnancy leaves and uh, maternity leaves and all of that, um, men should also, you know, be aware that this is something that happens, and we can't, you know, use this as a factor to <laughs> discriminate against women. But right now, I don't have a solution for it, and yeah, it is very worrying and it's very wrong at the same time. To be honest. Oh wow. Okay. Um. Farhana, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Vina. So, uh, after listening to Alia and um, uh, Chung Kwan, I feel like um being called out to tell my personal story. Okay. Um, speaking as a non-STEM student myself, I was once interested in choosing STEM-related career as my first choice too. Um, however, I changed my tune and chose another path for some reasons. And as a, uh, however, wait, I have, uh, I mean, I have wanted to be the one who breaks tra traditional gender stereotypes by pursuing my dreams to become a female pilot. However, um, I was being told that it is not an easy job for women, but this is, I believe this is a new era where women are making inroads into sectors that were previously men's exclusive domain, right? Okay. <clears throat> um, actually, uh, I'm almost choked up because uh, okay, this is very personal for me, but yeah. This it will be a problem to fit in with the predominantly male colleagues in the aviation sector as I came from a religious school, and I was I, I was ought to be a modest and stay in my in my field to be a 
um, somewhat of a um, ustazah or a shari lawyer, for example. Like, it is very true that this is a real problem that goes on, and it's sad that uh, some of us can't actually reach out and achieve your goals and dreams because of this being a main factor. And I think um, that was a very good insight on this. And I hope that, you know, some of us here might have uh, sisters or friends who probably are facing this. And whether it's from a parental pressure or, you know, a self-inflicted uh, pressure saying that, you know, I'm a woman, I can't do this, or someone telling you that you can't do this. I hope that we would reach out to them and change their mentality because um, I came from metrics and at the end when I joined university I had some of my friends with female friends who got engineering and they didn't apply for it and yeah it's true I spent a lot of hours trying to convince them that they had it in them to you know uh, pursue this because they were really really um, flustered in sense that they didn't knew that um, a female could actually strive in a uh, very hardcore engineering environment and all of that. Okay, so um, I guess if you want to add, do feel free, but it's okay. Uh, meanwhile, you guys can try the test shared by um, Ms. Alia right there. Uh, however, okay, it's going to be a wrap for the STEM podcast right now. I just want to go back. We've covered uh, the importance of STEM and the employability in STEM field, the wages provided in STEM, and of course, um, the inequality faced in the STEM field. So um, you guys can try that. And I'm going to pass the torch to Natasha to continue with e-learning podcast. All right. Thank you, everyone.